Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. So the latest in the coronavirus, and maybe the thing that that, the, the shiny object right now, Pamela, is a pretty big cruise ship. It's got over 2,000 passengers. 3,700. 3,700. Is that with crew or then also crew? That's total. Total. Yeah. Because about 1,000 is crew, I hear. Something like that. So get 3,700 people on a boat, which is just off the coast of Japan, where initially it was they had a few cases of coronavirus. Well, um, it is spreading like wildfire throughout the boat. The number of confirmed novel coronavirus cases on board this quarantined cruise ship nearly doubling. 65 additional patients, bringing the total number of infected on board to 135, including at least 23 Americans. Yeah, we also know that there uh, there's a couple from Arizona that's on that cruise ship as well. A doctor, in fact, who spoke uh, a little earlier this morning to Arizona's Morning News about what they've been experiencing. We're both very healthy. They actually have handed out thermometers. We take thermometers in our armpits, which is interesting, Hmm. uh, a few times a day, and we're supposed to report it if it gets over 37.5 degrees. So, Hmm. you've got two cruise ships right now (laughs) that that are struggling. This one, 3,700 off the coast of Japan. You've got another that's got about 2,000 on it, and that's like an American Holland, I think, cruise ship. They've been turned away from two different ports that won't allow them to to dock. Right. And uh, I think they, they find found uh, a place to dock in, in Thailand, but they, they've been just kind of floating out at sea waiting yeah. for somebody to allow them to, you know, drop anchor. So in, to speak. in the meantime, it's kind of spreading throughout the boat. And, and I got to believe that maybe one of the reasons why, even though people are uh, confined to quarters. Yeah, that's right? the other thing, too. L- locked we, in their... You have to stay in your cabin. Which is the size of a walk-in closet. It's not very big. <laughs> so you, you have to stay in your I'm cabin. And what we're finding from the Scottsdale doctor as well is they've got uh, people posted in the hallways to make sure that you're not leaving your room. You know, you're reliant upon the staff to bring you everything. Food. And, and that's also why you have some, some staff members um, that have that have reached out to the Indian government because you, you've got folks who are in the crew who are from India. All over the world, right? So they they reached out to the Indian government because they are not being, they say they're not being protected and segregated from the sick passengers. That they're not even being um, like tested. Right, right, right. right. They're not being They don't have the bunny suits, for example. So they feel like they're just kind of, you know, out there fending for themselves right now. Right. Make the Indian employees go down and take care of them. But this might be one of the reasons why, even though people are confined to quarters, they're trying to stop people from interacting in any way, shape, or form. That we are learning, and this this was a, a published in a medical journal, that the novel human coronavirus, this is technically what they call it, can, what do I want to use the term? Live? Survive, yeah. Survive outside the host body? For up to nine days. So in essence, on a surface. if somebody has coronavirus and they sneeze or they cough on a you know on a door handle or whatever sure. it may be, it can live on that surface for for how long? Nine hours? Uh, 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 nine nine day, days. Nine days. Excuse yeah, I'm me. Sorry, nine yeah. nine days. But we need a but, for instance. You need to compare that to something, okay, right? So yeah, you know, 
Bruce and I have been talking extensively about if you're really concerned about the coronavirus, get your flu shot. Hello, real flu? Because that's what you have a more likelihood of getting and dying from than you do coronavirus. So let's compare and contrast uh, coronavirus to the flu. So the coronavirus can live on a hard surface for up to nine days. The flu can apparently live on a hard surface for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. That's pretty... Crazy when you think about it. And you also got to keep in mind, though, being on a hard surface is different than on your hands or on a tissue. You know, if you start reading these things, if you pick it up off of a hard surface and it's now on your hands, it's not going to you know, live on your hands for nine days. Hopefully you're washing your hands a lot more than that. But it, it can only live on your hands like the flu virus for like 15 minutes. Right. That's why they tell you not to touch your eyes or your nose or your mouth, because then that's how it gets into your body. So this was done. A, a German research team. Uh, are the first ones that said they came up with this. And at room at room temperature, the virus remains active and infectious for up to nine days at room temperature. So that might explain why you also are seeing infection rates as they are. But this gets into it. That's I th- also why you have people having to stay in their cabin so that they can't touch anything outside of it. Okay, but, but think about, okay, so let's get outside the boat mm-hmm. and let's get into China. Or some of these other nations where they're they're starting to see. I mean, you can see where if it's living for up to nine days on surfaces, how wearing that little mask over your face or a motorcycle helmet like the one idiot did on an airplane is probably not going to have much effect if you haven't completely disinfected everything that you come into contact with. Not necessarily, because again, the way that it gets into your body is via, you know, like your hands if you eat food and you stick it in your mouth or you touch your mouth or you touch your nose or you touch your eyes. Hand-to-hand contact. If you're you're walking around with a mask on, then chances are you're not touching your mouth as often or your nose as often. If you're walking around with a full-fledged motorcycle helmet on, you're not touching your face at all. And chances are you're going to wash your hands before you get to that that place. But but play along with me here. this is why I think China's not being 100% honest with us. Oh, and neither do I. Let's just stay in a hospital. Do you believe and do you think it's probable or possible that Chinese hospitals disinfected, wiped down every door handle, every elevator button, every bedside table, every bed frame, every you see what I'm saying like anything that a person could touch and that this virus could continue to live on, which is why I think you're seeing the numbers start to expand. They didn't know what they didn't know. Sure. And I think there's a lot about the coronavirus we still don't know. We don't know what the fatality rate of it is because I, like you, don't believe as though China is being fully transparent with the number of cases or even the number of deaths. So how do you truly understand what that fatality rate is? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it more deadly than SARS uh, or, or the flu? We really don't know quite yet. And th- those are important, you know, numbers, important things to find out. Eventually we will. Well, they're also finding out, too. And, and these are the things we need to know, that certain cleaning solutions work and other ones don't work as well. Like hydrogen peroxide apparently is pretty uh, uh, good at killing the coronavirus on surfaces. You know, How many folks are wiping everything down with hydrogen peroxide? I have never in my life wiped anything really? down with hydrogen I don't even know where you get pro- it. Oh, I have it. You do? Oh, yeah. I what, used- what does one use hydrogen peroxide <laughs> really. for? I use it to clean my earrings. Okay. Yeah, I've used it. To so clean that's my why earrings. I don't have it. Yeah, and sometimes I'll use it as a mouthwash if I've got like a cut. You in can my put mouth. it in your mouth. Yeah. I did not know that. And it that. bubbles. 
Okay. Yeah, it's things weird. I did not know about hydrogen peroxide. Right. You I should pay it. more attention you, 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 you in, in chemistry class. Probably. Bit. Probably. I apologize, Mr. O'Donnell. But again, I mean, if you're really concerned about the coronavirus, you should be getting your flu shot if you haven't gotten one already. I mean, for me, my my sister had the flu last week. I mean, had it the bad, real flu, yeah. Like had a bad. She was out for an entire week. In her entire professional career, she has never missed a week of work. Okay. Ill. okay. And, and I mean, she was That's down for serious. the count. I saw her yesterday, and she's just just starting to get her energy back. But for me. Um, you know, I, I am constantly, constantly washing my hands to the point in, where, like, the, the, my knuckles have almost become like cracked because I'm washing them all my the time. My hands are softer, more yeah, supple. Yeah, I, I know. Yours, by the way. Yeah, that's why you had the flu this year and I didn't. Yeah, yeah. did I? Did you we did. know what I had? You told me you had the flu, so yeah. I'm taking your word for I, it. I, I'm still not even 100 percent sure the difference between flus, colds, and the rest of it. Oh, I don't know. I'm just goodness. sick or not sick. And so, <laughs> oh like, you're God. in the sick category. You take. You take Tussin and you take the Quill. And you're not sick, you don't take it. That's kind of the world I live in. Oh, to be Bruce St. James. Well, I don't go to the doctor because by the time I can get an appointment to get to the doctor, I feel okay. So I'm like, well, that's pointless. Well, you talk about not going to the doctor. Go back to China, for instance. Okay. Let's say... I'm not going now, if that's okay no, with you. I, I think that's... I don't think just, you can. Just, right fair now. enough. Okay. Fair enough. Even if you wanted to. Hypothetically, <laughs> go back to China. But let's say you're in China. Play along with me here for a second. And you sprain your ankle. Like, really bad sprain. You don't know Ooh. if it's sprained or broken. Yeah, I might need What do you that. normally do? You go to the hospital. Get the x-rays, yeah. But when you talk about, is the hospital really disinfecting the elevator buttons, the doorknobs? Do you go? For nine days? Do you go? Mm. I think that there are other health ailments and health issues that are probably happening in China and that people are to too afraid go to, the to go to the hospital yeah. because of what's happening it's full there. Of sick people. So you see the ripple effect of how it mm. might not just be the coronavirus, but it's a health crisis. So I think a lot of Chinese are learning the term, rub some dirt on it now. Or, or, or some Tussin. Yeah. Tussin. Put some Tussin and Quill in it and you'll be okay. Apparently, apparently, a lot of you married couples, and I do think this is important, married couples do not sleep in the same bed. Por qué? Why? Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I was still hoping I was going to get sleeping single in a double bed. No, we're trying to be uh, relevant here. Wow. Who's saying that? Sleeping See, single again, in a double relevant. bed. See, again, relevant. Barbara Mandrell. Oh, I think who I mistook, with. I mistook for Dolly Parton. Okay. Sleeping single in a double bed. Barbara who? Mandrell. Okay. She was a big star. Ah, uh, sure. So, why are many of you, and I'm going to assume that, uh, and again, according to a survey from the National Sleep Foundation, that one out of four married couples sleep in separate beds. Am I also to assume that means separate rooms? Or are they doing the uh, Ricky and Lucy where they have the, the single beds separated by a bed stand? No, I would assume different rooms. Okay. But, I just yeah. want to make sure. If you're, if, you're, uh, if you're sleeping in a different room because you have a different you know schedule, you know, working shifts, or somebody snores, sleeping in a different bed isn't going to make not, any not difference gonna, Not going to fundamentally change it. But yeah, we're finding out 25% of married couples have now decided to sleep in separate rooms for a variety of different reasons. Uh, we asked on our open mic line, brought to you by Carol Royce with Keller Williams Realty East Valley if you do it, and here's what we got. Hey, this is Sherry from Chandler, and after 32 years of marriage, we do sleep in separate beds. 
not all the time, if you know what I mean. Hey! Um, but it is a really a benefit of getting the sleep that we need, yeah. and we just can't do it when we're together. When we travel, it's a little bit harder, but sure. um, we work it out. Yeah, you know, I, I find this interesting okay. because why do we do the things that we do? Because why, we've always done it that way. Well, right, because we're told that this is the way it's done. I thought this was the norm. Who gets to decide that? I don't know. You do. They do. You do. They.com. You. No. You. The Van Patten. No. Somebody else makes this decision. You really? get to decide. Oh. And others, it's okay if other people think it's weird. It's okay. not their marriage. So you know what this reminded me of and, and where my mind went? Do you remember the debate we had over the guy who sent a tweet out? That said, apparently, my wife and I are weird because we sleep on different sides of the bed every night. (laughs) Remember that? That we don't have a side? (laughs) And like the fight, the outrage that started from people saying, what are you, aliens? You don't have a side. What do you mean you don't have a side of the bed? Right. You have your side, she has yours. Never the twain shall meet. This is my dance People were like, where do you put your book that you read? What what, what side of that does it go on? Like, how is this even possible? Yeah. Right. But the idea that people sleep. Now, OK, I know one couple that does. I, how about this? I bet you there are more couples in my life that do it. I just don't know. What sleep in separate rooms? Right. Well, yeah. they, just, I mean, they just it's not something they publicize for whatever reason. Maybe I just haven't asked the question, but I do know one that does. And it is because of work schedule yeah. where she literally has to get up at three something in the morning. Uh, and go to work. And so they have their own bedroom so that she doesn't wake him up at three in the morning. I also find it or interesting that we've got more and more couples that uh, maybe have been dating for like decades that still have their own homes. They haven't moved in together. What do you mean? That they they have separate homes. Okay. This might be like their second. Married, is it? No, I'm saying like the, the dating. I know people like who are. pen pal. No. That. You just don't, you want your own space and uh-huh. you want to be able to sleep at their house if you want to and them at your house if you want so them to. They got two houses in the same city? Like 10, yeah, within like 10 minutes of one another. You say that weird, but if it works for them, I know of of a couple, married couple, they don't have any kids and I think that that's one reason why it works, but they live in Phoenix and he works in like Michigan, like works in Michigan. This isn't he's in Michigan um, on a project for a couple of months helping the company out. No, his job is in Michigan and he goes there every week or sometimes he's up there for two weeks and then he comes back. Hey, it works for them. I think it's super interesting how we all like judge folks like, oh, that's not normal. Well, who gets to decide what's normal? Decide what works for you guys. Now, needless to say, the last person you'd think that would do anything normally would be Holmberg. Now, right. John, if you're listening right now, you can, which he usually does around this time, you can you can text me and let me know. But this is uh, somebody who listens to both of our shows. Okay. That said, Holmberg and his wife sleep in separate beds in the same room. In the same room. So that is like Ricky and Lucy. Does he have like restless leg syndrome or something? I do not know. I, do you have to get permission to go over to her bed? <laughs> Red Rover, Red uh, Rover. Can I come Johnny over? Johnny right over! <laughs> So anyway, that is from a, a listener that says apparently Holmberg has talked about that. I did not know that about John. That would be weird to me. I would assume part two beds, of that... one room. What? Are they are they both king size beds? That would be awesome. He must have a big house. Would be a really big bedroom. But I mean, he works mornings. He gets up in the middle. So of the that's like night. shift work almost. Mm-hmm. So I could see where that would be different. I don't think Megan gets up that early. Probably not. nobody gets up that early. God, unless you so. have to. Mm. Right. But again, I think it, you know. 
why do we do the things that we do in marriage? Well, it's because what we've been taught to do or what we're told to do. The norm. Well, but who gets to decide that? You get to decide that. They.com. It's, no, it's you. <laughs> you get to decide what works Gotta for be you. Me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think, when you think about it, like just using the bed analogy, Pamela, yeah. how many other things do you do in your relationship or yeah. in your life just because, well, that's what you were always told you had to do? I bet you 90% of people walk through life doing what they're, they think they're supposed to do because it's just the way it's always been done. Yeah. They don't question it. Right. You should question everything. It comes from mom, by the way, just throwing it out there. So the Iowa caucuses allegedly are over. New Hampshire primary tomorrow, but it has me wondering, is this whole system screwed up? We'll talk about it next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. It's the next hurdle in the race for the Democrats' nomination for president. The New Hampshire presidential primary is tomorrow. Um... It's a little bit funny because it's still not 100% clear how Iowa turned out, where you had uh, everyone declare victory at some point, uh, and or if they didn't do well, say, well, the whole thing was all screwed up, so you can't believe anything. Let's call that the whole came thing off. Yeah, let's just call the whole thing off. Um, so, again, New Hampshire is tomorrow. Now, that's unlike the caucuses, which, again, an adult version of Red Rover, Red Rover. Um, this is where people actually go in like a polling center. And they this vote. is what the rest of the civilized world does normal when it humans. comes to normal you know, a primary or a presidential preference election, which we that's have we, here. That's what we call it. In Arizona on March 17th. Now, I'm just going to remind you, uh, only because I, I, I feel the need to do this from time to time when I see people get outraged. These primaries, caucuses, presidential preference elections are run by the political parties. Mm-hmm. These are not enshrined in the Constitution. You can't have your vote disenfranchised. You, the, 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 they are not governed by the law of the land like we do for a general election. Okay, mm-hmm. These are popularity contests that are basically about marketing candidates. Let's just call it what it is. Which is why I understand why they draw it out, Pamela, but I have an issue with it. I got a bone to pick. Okay. Pick the bone. What's up? Looking at the results of Iowa, mm-hmm. the, the results that are somewhat accepted, Bernie and Mayor Pete tied, for lack of better terms, right? Yeah, for Pretty the, darn close. Yeah, I mean, I think like Coin the, the last Iowa caucus between Hillary and Bernie, I think the, the difference between the two was like four delegates, and we never thought that we'd see something that close again. Yeah. It appears right now Judge beat Bernie by two delegates. By dose. That's nothing. Nothing. It's, it, it's a toss-up. Okay. And because of that, because Bernie was expected to win, I would say. Sure. Or do well. And because Mayor Pete did better than he was expected to do, is that Mm -hmm. fair? Sure. That suddenly Mayor Pete is surging in New Hampshire. So my question is, did Mayor Pete change his positions? Did Mayor Pete uh, uh, appeal to a whole new different group of New Hampshire voters? Or did a whole bunch of New Hampshire Tonians, I don't know what they are, New Hampshireites? New Hampshireans. New Hamps. New Hamps change their preference 
merely because he did he did better in Iowa and they just want to be on the winning team. No, I think you're assuming that folks in New Hampshire have already made up their mind. If they've made up their mind and changed it from, let's say, a Biden who did poor and underperformed right? to to boot a judge who overperformed, then you'd have an argument. But I think the idea that folks actually know who they're voting for right now, like 100 percent in these races isn't but, the case. But my point is that Mayor Pete's polling data has been surging after Iowa in the last week. Well, All uh, he did was do better in Iowa. He didn't change. Sure. But right now we know that roughly 50% of the new ham- the new hamps out there, no, the people from New Hampshire, 50% haven't made up their mind yet. Okay. By doing well in Iowa, you're going to get a look. You're going to get a look, whereas before, maybe you didn't even look at Mayor Pete. You're like, okay, I kind of know this guy. He's a mayor. He's from Indiana. But maybe you, as as you and I did, Bruce, did a little bit more research. Combat vet, you know, Rhodes Scholar, went to, you know, I, I believe it was Harvard and Oxford, like well-educated. You start to learn more about the candidate because he's doing well. So whose fault is that? Because my solution is all the primaries should be on the same day. Okay. There should be a primary day so that your vote is not influenced by what people in Iowa or New Hampshire it's a great theory. thought about a, a candidate. You're not influenced. Because the, you're not influenced mm-hmm. because the argument would be that if you are anything of an informed voter, you're going to figure out about these candidates before you make this selection. And isn't what we're seeing in these early states that insist on being early basically just a way to lead people around by the nose. I understand why they pour so much resources into Iowa and New Hampshire. It's because people apparently in New Mexico care what people in New Hampshire vote for. I'm the odd bird. I couldn't care less what another state voted for, and I couldn't care less what the polling data says. I would vote for someone who represented my beliefs. But when you talk about being an informed voter, I think people become informed as it become, gets closer to when they have to vote. We have live busy lives, right? You know, knowing where every candidate stands on every position isn't something that most people dive into until they need to. And when they start diving into it, they take a look at all the information out there. How did this candidate do in Iowa? How did this candidate do in New Hampshire? And it may very well have an impact. But you understand but, my but, point. What, on, what difference fin- does that make? Let me finish. If you held, held it all on one day, which... I would vote for. I think that that's a heck of an idea. I don't think you're ever going to get the RNC and the DNC to sign off on it, but let's play around with it here mm-hmm. for a second. I think by doing that, you you force people to be informed all at the same time. They don't have all these outside influences that that happened today. You know, 20, 30 years ago, you didn't have, you know, the, the Facebook and the Instagram and Twitter or whatever it may be trying to influence you, t- trying to tell you who you should vote for or who you shouldn't vote for and what reasons why this constant bombardment of information you watch the news we all got the same we all got the same news right. back then we all got 
got the same facts back then. We didn't have all these different factions trying to influence us. But that happens every day with everything. Everyone was trying to influence what you saw in the Super Bowl halftime show last week, for goodness sakes. (laughs) It's no wonder that they're trying to do it when it comes to something that's actually important, like electing the free the the leader of the free Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of putting it all on one day, kind of like Election Day. Well, think about this on Election Day. You know that we don't give results like the the polls in Virginia close. You don't give results until the polls in like Hawaii have closed. And the idea is you're not trying to influence people's vote. Like, well, don't vote for them. The election's over. And that's what I see a lot going on in Iowa, New Hampshire. And and by the way, the R's go through it when it's a competitive thing for them. This is an RRD thing that why would you let, you know, some farmer in Iowa or some beekeeper in New Hampshire. I literally have no idea what people in New Hampshire do. Um, I'm assuming there's a lot of beekeepers and that there's, do you think they, a lot of them make maple syrup? Let's sure. go with that. From maple, Vermont. a yeah, maple syrup enough. person. I can't tell the difference <laughs> on a map. Seriously? Why, why would you care what they voted for? Why? Why would it change your vote? Have you, have you subscribed to the Bruce and James and Pamela Hughes Show podcast? Super easy to do wherever you get your podcasts. And this week it is brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. Yeah. Listen, the whole thing might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to heck in a handbasket. Don't worry. Pamela says she can restore your faith in humanity. That is coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. We know that being a pedestrian in the city of Phoenix is already pretty darn dangerous. We hear stories constantly of tragedies. Now, some of them are pedestrians who are not using crosswalks. Maybe they're jaywalking. They're literally running out into traffic or they're not paying attention. We have the thing about people staring at their phones, right? So the city of Phoenix wants to make jaywalking um, a more punishable offense. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be voting on this or at least looking at the proposal rather uh, later this week. And right now, officers have the ability to, at their discretion, determine whether or not they want to ticket somebody for jaywalking. Okay. And what this would do is by city statute, it would pretty much the way I'm reading it. And let me know if you think I've got this wrong. But the way I'm reading it, it would like mandate that you don't get a warning. You get a ticket. So they would they would do away with warnings for jaywalking, and the only thing you could get from a police officer is a ticket with a fine attached to it, et cetera. That's kind of how I read it. Is that how you read it? That is how I okay. read it. But but here's the problem. Just like with speeding, it is the officer's discretion sure. as to whether you get a warning or a ticket or I know. they impound your car. <laughs> Thank you. I know. <laughs> I know. Pamela doesn't get tickets. She bats those eyelashes. There's blonde hair everywhere. <laughs> Cops like, okay, whatever you want. <sighs> Meanwhile, I'm like, just write it. Just here. I'll sign <laughs> it ahead me. of time. Right. Sign it ahead of time. Okay. Uh, let's save you one trip back to the car. <laughs> just go ahead now. But if it's already discretion, will this? Here's why I say it. We had a story recently about drunk driving arrests going down. And we thought, oh, is this the Uber effect? 
Remember? Are more people taking, less people drinking? And my co- I had a cop friend hit me up and say, I don't think less people are driving drunk. We just don't have the manpower to stop them. So if police officers are already stretched thin, if they're running from 911 call to 911 call, right? They're just not even going to get around to writing any tickets for jaywalking. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, it'll just be like, well, it who's becomes, got time? Ain't nobody got time for yeah, that. Yeah, if it's a finite resource, where do you want to spend the time and the energy of that resource? What's the priority? And is it responding to the 911 calls or is it writing jaywalking tickets? And I'm using, you know, extremes to prove a Sure, point. sure, sure. No, I get it. And there may be times where it is, in fact, warranted. But um, I... I I'm just wondering what what is the catalyst behind it? Why does the Phoenix City Council think that this is a good idea? Is it to cut down on the number of pedestrian deaths? Because frankly, you know, Phoenix is among the top mm-hmm. of the list when it comes to pedestrian it's deaths. Decidedly dangerous. And if that's what they're trying to do, then you know, I'd want to hear what their research is and why. I just am not a big fan of like mandating that yeah. you have to do this. And that's how I read it. And if I got it wrong, please check yeah. me on it. But that that's how I've read it. I still don't understand, like, the whole jaywalking thing. You know, they ask you for, like, your license. And, and jaywalking, you can get points on your license, which means you can't drive. But the argument is, well, you already walking. I once got pulled over in Tempe when I was at ASU for dr- riding my bike on the wrong side of the road. Uh-huh. And I was late to a test. Okay. And I remember, oh, gosh, asking the officer, so you mean to tell me that the Tempe Police Department have absolutely nothing yes. better to do with their they time? Like hear that. They asked for my driver's license, to which I said, do you need a driver's license to ride a bike? This didn't end well no. for Pamela. No. Let me just, let me serve no. as an example Help. of what not to do. Yeah. Okay? Don't do that. I, I had the same thing at U of A, where I, uh, uh, a police officer pulled up to me and said, do you want to get a ticket for being a smart beep? Yeah. And I said, well, how much is the fine? <laughs> it doesn't end well, end folks. Well. Learn from our mistakes. And then I got tased. <laughs> All right. So might be one of the reasons why you're going to hang in a handbasket. Pamela says she can restore your faith in humanity. You know what? And sometimes just to restore your faith in humanity, you need to laugh a little. And I'm a big believer in it takes a village to raise children. And sometimes parents need all the help that we can get. Uh, I, I got to tell you the story that just cracked me up. It is out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And you got a mom, right? A mom and her two-year-old son, Dax. Dax was in the other room, happily watching Peppa Pig, or so mom thought. I mean, what could possibly go wrong with Dax watching Peppa Pig a lot? Unbeknownst to mom, Dax apparently decided pretty quickly that he was over good old Peppa. So over it that he stripped down naked every last piece of clothing off and decided to hide. Found a great place to hide. He climbed up on the windowsill behind the drapes and was just naked standing on the windowsill. To which moments later, mom got a text from a neighbor that said, your kid is naked in the window. And sent a picture of mom. Not to send a photo, but when I looked up and I got home, there he was. Mom died laughing. She's like, oh my goodness. I didn't even know that this was possible. But she appreciated her neighbor for... Uh, looking out for her because the kid's just hanging out in the window. I mean, right As there. kids will do. Way to go, Dax. There we go. And, uh, in all yeah, his glory. Uh, all his <laughs> glory. It takes a village, right? Yeah. Imagine walking through your neighborhood looking up and there's a two-year-old just hanging out on the windowsill naked. There's a naked baby stuck <laughs> to that window. Maybe I should let somebody Naked know. baby alert! Naked baby alert! Uh, hey, 
Thank you for spending some time with us today. Pamela and I looked through the double pane bulletproof glass. We've got, uh, thankfully, no naked babies on it, but we also have uh, DJ Tommy Two Tone, super producer Stevie Z, and Bob McClay.